Hello, my name's Stephen Morrison. Welcome to Songs in the Key of, a podcast about songs. These might be old songs, new songs or middle-aged songs, anything that takes my fancy really. Sometimes these shows will be themed around an idea, a person, a genre or some other concept. Other times they will simply reflect my latest obsessions, my new favourite bands, those songs I can't get out of my head. On the 2nd of January 2022, Chris Broderick, who had entertained, amused and provoked with his writing of all disciplines, passed away. Over the course of his life, he'd amassed a large collection of songs, stories and plays, all filled with his own unique linguistic flair and his sheer love of humanity in all its warts and all glory. Towards the end of his life, he entered a flurry of creative activity, not realising he would not be able to see the completion of these final projects. This interview with his collaborator, Stuart Turner, explores the final musical adventures of Chris Broderick. Some of these are for the, where we're going to go, a pod. That's my name for the pod, that's the working title. The pod is just called Pod. Welcome to a special edition of Songs in the Kiev, which uh, this time is in the form of a video as well as the usual podcast. Um, we're here, uh, I'm here with Stuart Turner to discuss this, which is the Pod album. And we'll, we'll talk about the origins of it, how it came to be made and, and, and why, why there's such a fuss about it. So, um, Stuart, this, is, this was a project initiated by Chris Broderick who um, passed away um, early uh, last year, 2022, in January, wasn't it? Very, very early January. Yeah, yeah. very early January. And so you were sort of midway through creating this we when... The exact halfway mark yeah. of making the album. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we didn't, weren't really sure how to proceed afterwards. Mm. Yeah. So... How did how did the project start? What was the initial intention? In in the liner notes, you mentioned how he approached you, or, or you you had a conversation about doing some kind of uh, yeah. velvet underground kind of I, thing. Well, I've known Chris sort of off and on for a few years, and was a big fan of the Singing Loins, big fan of the stuff he sort of he he'd sort of been doing with the theatre stuff with Rob Shepherd, and I thought, um, yeah, it was a very odd, um, unlikely. It felt very unlikely at the time yeah. that he was, um, but he approached me and said, "Look, would you be interested in doing something together?" Um, the Lions got back together and did the Moon Songs album, and it was great. But it it seemed to have um, it never became a live thing, and then he was uh, that didn't seem to be going any further. So um, he was still keen to be involved in writing music. And he'd said some very nice things about stuff I'd done before. Yeah. Um, and he was um, looking for a co- someone to collaborate with. So it was, you know, it was very flattering to be asked. And yeah, I obviously said yes. And mm. So we, we started meeting up. We were sort of arranged to meet up at his place over in Who. And um, uh, he said, I'll bring a guitar. And we initially tried um, sort of sitting around uh, with me sort of playing him things and making stuff up on the spot occasionally. Yeah, and we had a couple of goes at that, um, 
And he said, well, if you think of anything in the interim, just uh, recall it and send it over to me. And that became the, the rest of it. So two songs were written kind of in the room. Yeah. Um, and uh, the rest of the album was all written with me writing pieces of music mm. in abs- you know, on my own in abstract. So he did the lyrics, you did the music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I'd, sort of, so I'd send him stuff over by email and then go over to his... Pretty much I'd get a text message about four days later saying, right, done, come over. <laughs> um, it, was very, it was very quick and it seemed to be working. You know, it was... Yeah. It, it was, it was, uh, there was nothing I was offering that he didn't instantly go, yeah, I've got something for that. That's, that's, you know, that's great. Um, well, we, we thought it was great. And, uh, everything is great is uh, subjective in the, eyes, the ear of the beholder. But um, so it was, it was progressing, progressing well. And there wasn't really a, a plan as such as to what it was going to be like. But the original idea was he, he'd been listening to sort of later period Velvet Underground from sort of, sort of loaded onwards into yeah. the kind of post Lou Reed stuff as well, mm-hmm. and uh, thinking, well, you know, keeping it simple, that kind of um, vibe, we could we could really do something there, maybe get maybe put a band together, um, and the, the further it went on, obviously the songs were absolutely nothing like loaded period yeah. Velvet Underground <laughs> at all, um, and which was yeah, but <laughs> that was fine. It, it was only a starting point. Yeah. Um, but we were both happy with the way it was progressing. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, you you put a band together, I'll leave that up to you. Right. And then um, get the music together and I'll come along to rehearsal once that's yeah. done. Because I'm out here, he was out living out in who and had no transport. So yeah. in the interest of expediency, um, yeah. we'll do that. Um, but that never really happened. I approached uh, Jimmy Moore about the potential for him drumming on this thing. Um, and I may or may not have actually talked to Nick Rice about playing bass on it at that point. But um, it all, we didn't get any further than that for a long time because then COVID came along. Oh, yes. So that put everything on hold. Um, all through the first lockdown, there was nothing happening. Yeah. Um, I'd sent Chris over a couple more song ideas um, and then sort of restrictions on visiting people started to lift and mm. we had these odd get-togethers around <laughs> his place where I'd be sitting playing guitar in his front room in a mask on one side of the room right. while he's chain-smoking and drinking tea on the other. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so uh, that's, that's uh, yeah. it, was, it was odd but productive um, yeah. and it amused him no end. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, around the same time he started to get very ill. Um, not yeah. not with um, what eventually killed him, but he he was he had a, a lot of undiagnosed health issues mm. that were impacting on our ability to proceed, which was a bit yeah, which got very fraught. But, um, eventually, it found he found out he was um, uh, had undiagnosed diabetes, yeah, um, as well as gallstones, yeah, um, and uh, the the combination of the the pain and the unbalanced sugars and everything were impacting everything. And once he'd got treatment for both, he suddenly was a, a new a new old man. <laughs> yes. Um, in the, and it was, yeah, everything was back on. There was a, a new fresh burst of energy. And mm. um, that also coincided with a more uh, lifting of COVID restrictions. And it was all back on. Let's go, go, go. Yeah. So I 
because it was convenient to Nick and um, Jimmy uh, at the dockyard, because where else do you put things together? And um, we started sort of rehearsing uh, the songs in earnest and sort of arranging them based on the sort of acoustic demos we'd recorded around yeah. Chris's kitchen table. Mm. Um, and it was, it, we thought, oh, we'll do this for a, you know, a few rehearsals and we'll get Chris over. But one rehearsal, we were ready. So the yeah. first five songs were just came together so quickly, so easily, that there was no point waiting. Mm. Just get Chris over next week. Yeah. Um, we had, I think, two rehearsals like, with Chris and he just went, well, that's ready. Let's go book the studio. <laughs> and it, again, it just seemed so spontaneous. Everything was moving so yeah. well and it was all, uh, we were all so in sort of, for lack of a, a less dated youth reference, hyped about the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then, so we've recorded the first five songs of Jim Riley's. Um, Rachel Lara came in and added some backing vocals that just lifted the whole thing into another sort of realm of quality. Yeah. Um, and um, we were all set to go with the next batch of songs. Um, yeah. Me, Nick and Jimmy set about, we had two rehearsals um, again with the next batch of songs and we thought right this is great and I actually remember um, sending Chris a text saying we're, we're ready for your close-up now Mr. <laughs> yeah um, but unfortunately the, the, the pretty much the next day I had a phone call from him um, uh, saying that he was in hospital and he, um, he'd actually had a cardiac arrest right um, and cancer that eventually um, uh, killed him um, had uh, caused his heart to stop, right? Because he had no circulating blood, uh, yeah, oxygen, yeah, and uh, it caused his heart to stop, and he, that's and that was the point where the, the diagnosis came through. And yeah. Was, um, then he says, uh, "Yeah, don't put me to put down on things, but I'm in hospital, and uh, it's not. I'm not feeling too chipper. I don't like being in hospital." Yeah. But um, yeah, it was it was a frightening. The whole thing was very frightening, you know, frightening for him. It's frightening for yeah. It's frightening for us. It's frightening mm. for him. Really. Yeah. So, um, uh, it also it meant in terms of the pod album, we didn't know are we going to proceed? Are we going to mm. are we going to do it? Um, at the same time, he had been working on with this sort of kind of fresh energy that he suddenly had from. There was lots of stuff happening. Oh wasn't yeah, there? but the, it was all yeah. off the back of the. I suppose he spent the whole time during the COVID times sort of sitting, contemplating things, and yeah. he decided he was going to write this book of, um, of observations on selected lyrics that he'd written over the years. Yeah. Um, and uh, he got cracking with that, and he was writing these micro short stories um, for, uh, for flash fiction, it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of a Japanese thing. Um, mm, like 500 words or something. Exactly, exactly. The, the haiku of the novel. Yeah. Uh, it was, um, and he said, oh yeah, I'm really getting into it. I think I've found my milieu. <laughs> um, so he was, he, was, I thought that he was listening to the Nathans and he was listening to the Pixies and he's getting into a sort of new music and it was all... Yeah. Um, and it was all, you know, very positive and suddenly it wasn't. And it was all, you know, cripplingly sad. Mm. Um on top of that, because the pod songwriting had been going so well, um, a project he'd had sort of waiting in the wings for a long time came out of Mothballs. Yeah. Um, which was uh, the And One Red Mitten acoustic yeah. song cycle, 
which um, became a, a kind of concurrent project with Pod, mm. and they're kind of the yin and yang of each other, I guess, for lack of a yeah a less, lesser description or better description. It was um so uh, yeah, explain so, a bit more about that. So uh, and one red mitten is um was. Um, just a set of lyrics, standalone lyrics about Catherine Eddowes, who was the fourth victim of the Whitechapel murderer yeah. in the 1880s. Um, Jack the Ripper, if you will, but mm. we've been loath to use that yes. term yeah. wherever possible. Mm. Um, this came down from um, Chris was um, escorting a school trip um, to the London Dungeon. Yeah. And he'd been slightly appalled by the fact that this woman had been reduced to an effectively a sideshow exhibition yeah um, and her life had been belittled to victimness and yeah but in amongst all this was um, an excerpt from uh, the coroner's inquest into her death that was just yeah. an itemized list of everything that was in her possession when she mm. was found um, and he found the list to be to read quite poetically and the last line of the list is and one red mitten yeah um, so he got hold of a copy of the, the whole list and then started writing lyrics. Initially, there was going to be a song for each line in the mm. thing, but he never, never quite got to that. Yeah. Um, he started to digress. <laughs> um, but it was a beautiful idea, really. Um, and then he'd written most of those, and that coincided with um, uh, Harry Rubinold's book, The Five, which was being published around the same time as he was writing the lyrics. Right. And that became a, a kind of uh, Sunday Times bestseller. Yeah. And that was coming from a similar place, but about all five of the yeah. Whitechapel victims um, claiming back the, the women from, yeah. the, from, from the murder, if yeah. you will. Mm. So uh, it, was, uh, it was interesting that that was happening at the same time. Um, but Chris didn't want to read the book because he didn't want it to colour what he'd already written. Yeah, yeah. So um, originally he'd, he'd been discussing doing it with uh, Chris Dollymore um, of The Godfathers and Delamitri and various yeah. other, and obviously Chris Dollymore, so the artist. But uh, Chris was too busy, he couldn't commit to it. I just wish Delamitri had reformed and he was off to Scotland to record and all. Yeah. You know. um, so um, it got put on the back burner, and then the pod thing was going well. He said, "Would you fancy have a crack at it?" I said, "Oh, okay. If you if you trust me enough with <laughs> it." And he went, "No, of course I'll do it, boy. Here they are." Just handed me. <laughs> he handed me. I think it was thirteen at the time um, sets of lyrics, and he said, oh, "I think there should be a couple more." Um, so I said, "Well, I'll tell you what. Shall I read the book?" <laughs> um, so I read the five. He says, right, what, what have I missed? And I said, she's got a tattoo. What? She had a tattoo. It was a rare thing. She had a tattoo. Right-o. <laughs> and then uh, two weeks later, I came back and he'd written a lyric about her tattoo, which is um, a song called Deep Blue Ink, which is in the album. Yeah. Um, and then I had to... I'd already seen sort of... That's another one to put in the pile. But so the whole time, sort of, sort of putting the pod band together... Um, I'm also sort of writing and arranging music around these lyrics. Yeah. Um, and that, again, um, multiple lockdowns sort of got in the way of that, um, which in a way was good um, because Chris had been talking to Doug Hudson from the Sweets Festival about putting it on the cathedral. Yeah. 
way before I'd finished writing any of the music. <laughs> no, so, no, 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 exactly. Um, I think I'd had, I think I had four or five songs finished at the point where I said, "Yep, it's going ahead in May." And um, fortunately, or unfortunately, in some ways, but fortunately, it it did happen. Um, unfortunately, Chris wasn't there to see it. Yeah. And it didn't happen until um, last May. Yeah. Uh, when Sweets restarted, the Sweets Festival restarted in Rochester. Yeah. Um, well, that was a, it was a lovely thing. Um, it was it was odd that a lot of people turned out for it as a kind of tribute to Chris, but mm. it was never intended as a tribute to Chris. It was a thing that we were wanting to do, and yeah. we were supposed to be there doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was. Um, but just before he died, we had the opportunity to record the spoken word piece he was going to do at yeah. the beginning of it, and so we had that and, uh, for posterity. Um, Unfortunately, because of uh, the circumstances of recording, and we obviously can go back and do it again, but in his place, um, in who, there's a lot of electrical wiring and that was interfering with the recording device. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, that, that sound you get if you've got a mobile phone on a speaker. And, yeah. Um, there's a lot, quite a bit of that going on from the bar heaters and his. Um, right. Um, we cleaned them up as best we could, um, but when we went. Uh, after we'd done the performance at the uh, cathedral, it was decided by the three of us who, uh, it, as, a, as a piece of music with uh, and one red mitten uh, ensemble, is uh, myself, Nick Rice again, but this time on acoustic guitar, and uh, Vicky Price on vocals and French horn. Um, we decided we wanted to record it. Um, and we had the recording of Chris, and we tried desperately to clear up the recording of his, him speaking the introduction. And uh, Rob Grigg, uh, the, the producer of the recording and drummer of these guilty men um, was just out in his back garden one day and he heard a church bell tolling and magpies yeah I don't know what you call that that noise then it yeah he just held up his mobile phone and recorded it oh. and it was a beautiful recording got clear as, clear as a bell yeah took the recording into the studio cleaned it up a bit looped it and played it all the way through the background of the piece of music we have um, of, with Chris speaking yeah and suddenly all the, the clicky clicky noises from the <laughs> Chris's recordings suddenly turn into magpies suddenly <laughs> turn into magpies um, which is possibly a bit more medway than White Chapel but it, <laughs> um, it, 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 I think we think it works Catherine Eddowes 30th of September 1888 her clothes Black straw bonnet trimmed in green and black velvet, black beads. Black strings worn tied to the head. Black cloth jacket trimmed around the collar and cuffs with imitation fur and around the pockets in black silk braid and fur. Large metal buttons. Dark green chintz skirt, three flounces. Round button on waistband. The skirt patterned with Michaelmas daisies, golden beard. Man's white vest buttoned down front. Brown linsey bodice, black velvet collar with brown buttons down front. Grey stuffed petticoat with white waist. This is way before we actually finished the recordings of Pod. We finished the first batch of recordings. And I sent a couple of tracks off to uh, Lee Grimshaw at Spin Up Nuggets Records and said, would you be interested in... Putting this out, 
Um, and he said, yeah, on a quick review, yes, absolutely, which is really nice. And he, sure enough, there it is. Yeah. Um, but once we finished the Red Mitten album, um, he was very generous. He, he, do, he was... Um, the thing with the Spin Out Medits label is that it's a vinyl-based label and we waited the best part of, I don't know, 14, 15 months for the pod vinyl to come through from yeah. the global vinyl queue. <laughs> Caused by Adele, allegedly. Well, initially, <laughs> initially, well, I think, I, think it can't, I can't help but think Beatles box sets, <laughs> Taylor Swift banging out four albums a year um, probably isn't helping. Yeah. But... Um, so the other thing with the M1 Red Mitten album we made was it was 55 odd minutes long, um, which is it's not a convenient length for, <laughs> for a vinyl record because it's, it's slightly too long for a single record and it's not enough for a double record. And yeah. You don't get a, a one and a half size record very often. If you do, it's, <laughs> it's a bit silly. I know, that you, I know before, anyway, before you write in, dear reader. Um, but um, yeah, it's not. It, it wouldn't have been sensible. Mm. Um, but he agreed to release it as a CD only thing, um, as kind of part two of the catalogue number. So they have, because they were so such concurrent projects. Yeah. They, uh, they have the same catalogue number. I think with um, and one red mitten has a B after it. So oh okay. Yeah. Like the downstairs flap, if you will. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so, yeah, um, Pod, uh, The Earth's Rotation is the name of the album, uh, which uh, as a song features twice, once in uh, a demo version and once in a, a more polished studio sort of recording, isn't it? Um, so, um, it's quite a, an uplifting album in... in I think thematically, uh, and it is quite thematic, and um, the front, the, well, the artwork by Zara Carpenter um, entirely captures the, the, the vibe. It's flowers on the turn. They are, uh, <laughs> they are flowers that are, they're cut flowers that yeah. are on the way. Yeah. They're just starting to brown. Yeah. Um, and that's the kind of, that's the vibe of the record. It's seasons changing. The passage of time, yeah, um, deadheading the roses, if you will, which is a song on the album. Absolutely, um, yeah. The idea that you know eventually people have to get out of what the way for the next generation. Yeah, but that isn't to say there isn't still beauty in. Yeah, <laughs> in the mulch. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of gardening references also. Yeah, hidden amongst the yeah, yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, like a, a sort of celebration of humanity is what I yeah yeah I think pulled out of it, which is sort of classic Chris Bodrick, really. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, that I mean, the, the opening lyric of the whole album is, "I cannot be an elephant climbing a tree." I will not be. I can only be myself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is yeah. I want to be as happy as a man without a clock. He's <laughs> <laughs> not aware of time. <laughs> Brilliant. Which is yeah. which is a great line hidden in humour. Yeah. Um, the opening track of the album to which you are referring is yeah. is an absolute can and cannot. Yeah, it's um, an absolute barnstormer of a kind of stomping mod soul track. Yeah. Um, 
a million miles away from expectation of what a, a Chris Broderick project would be, I guess. But, yeah. But yeah. not as far as we would take it. <laughs> um, but it's, it's really poppy. Mm. Um, and we were all very surprised by how poppy it came out. You know, um, when you write a song on acoustic guitar, you have a, a vibe of how it's going to be, you think it's going to be. And I think the, the vibe completely changed the moment what had been the guitar riff became the bass line. Right. Um, and what was going to be the bass line became the guitar riff. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just going to have dum 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 dum. Instead, the guitar's just playing dum 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 dum, and the bass line's doing the whole yeah. busyness. And, and which obviously is a kind of nod to the Who, and it mm. that gives it that vibe, I guess. Yeah. But um, Chris's vocals absolutely blistering on it, and it's just you know happy as a man without a clock, and it's kind of and it sets the mood for the thing. But um, yeah, for for all that it's a posthumously released album. This isn't a an album of a, a man who's you know, this is not a dying album. No. No. Exactly sure how we were going to finish it, um, but we did say we would. <laughs> okay, um, there was that commitment. It was gonna. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there was a commit. There was a, a number of commitments made. One that we would, I would finish Red Mitten, and it would definitely be put on in the cathedral, and it would definitely happen, won't it? <laughs> yes, sir. Um, and um, two that I would finish Pod and would get it out there. Um, yeah. Um, however that ended up being um, and three was that I would finish uh, an as yet un an unfinished project which is a, another song cycle in the manner of M1 Red Mitten about um, uh, Vincent van Gogh's sister-in-law yeah. um, Joe Volger who uh, another set of lyrics about an um, unsung woman yeah and uh, I will I will crack on and do that because I've said I would yeah but that does explain why I have his collection of books about Van Gogh cutting my hair. Excellent. Um, what else have we got on, on here? Um, I mean, e even the stuff that he didn't necessarily get into the studio to record, you, you still managed to use some of the stuff he recorded. Well, we did, everything, we did everything we could to up the Chris quotient. Yeah, where we, where we could, and I had. Um, so there's the singer that starts off with him, doesn't it? Before it lurches into you. Oh yeah. Singing. Well, I was very I was very concerned. That, obviously, I, I, the decision was made that I would not by me. I hasten to add. <laughs> um, the decision was made that I would I would sing 
the songs in, in lieu of Chris. Yeah. Um, which wasn't, again, it wasn't my idea, but it was like, if someone's got to do it, it's going to have to be you, you're going to have to crack on with it. <laughs> so just, yeah, just stop procrastinating and we'll, we'll, we'll do this and see how it comes out. Yeah. Um, but having said to myself that I would do that, um, I was conscious that people would think I changed the songs from what was originally written. Yeah. Um, and you know, he stewarded them up or, <laughs> or something along those lines. Yeah. So certainly with the singer, I wanted it apparent in the recording that what was on the recording was pretty much what it was going to sound like with, uh, yeah. with Chris singing on it. And um, he explained to me how the, the chorus was going to have this like theatrical Greek chorus on it, but not necessarily in tune. Male voices going, oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so obviously I, I got the other singing loins in to, to help with that. And no, no offense to their singing. But I just thought it would be, again, it's, it's bringing, bringing in the family, if you mm. know what I mean, musically. Yeah. Um, so that it, it isn't just me accusations of you know, me <laughs> taking something and making it something else which yeah. is not Yeah, it's 
did some careful layering of vocals from um, Vicky who sings on um, one movement and came and did backing vocals over the ones that I'm doing. Yeah. Um, again, it was expediency. We both we've been working together, so it was like, yeah. Okay, we're doing this today. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, she she really kind of sweetens my sour, as it were. So um, yeah, that's gone a long way to. Um, I, I was conscious of making it. I didn't want it to sound too angry. Um, Chris was capable of making things angry, but his anger seems to be more lyrical than certainly than I was. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I sometimes think when I do singing, when I do the singing in that, um, <laughs> the, the the lyrics get a bit lost in mm. in the perceived vitriol of the vocal. Yeah, um, and sometimes people think I'm. I'm trying to say something really angry when I'm singing a love song, so <laughs> um, I was desperately trying to avoid that, but um, yeah, it was, I think, generally it was just, um, it was true to the spirit of the first batch, the second batch of recordings was true to the spirit of the, of the first batch, yeah. I felt, yeah. um, and obviously Nick and Jimmy did a, the, the same sterling effort, you know, sterling, sterling work they did on the first set, yeah. as a rhythm section, they sort of really sort of locked into each other into each other and I think um, off the back of um, the pod the band that almost was um, they formed they formed a band called the Dutch Embassy which is I've uh, been able to hear rehearsing um, yeah which has been yeah they're, they're still locked into each other even with other people involved so Wonderful. it's really good excellent um, uh, the Charcoal and Drums, the, the, the final track, that's uh, like throwing everything, including the kitchen sink at it, isn't it? Uh, charcoal and Drums, yeah, that's, um, oh, I don't think anyone, there, no one, when we were recording that song, no one could stop laughing. <laughs> Chris was in hysterics. Yeah. It was just such fun to record. Um, the premise of the lyric is a kind of Lord of the Flies situation. Society has gone into decline. Yeah. Let us, let us throw off our <laughs> mental chains, as Howard Jones once sang. Um, but it ultimately descends into cannibalism and mania. Um, yeah. And memories of shopping. <laughs> um, and as the the lyrics get more manic, the the guitars get more. Well, it's only, it's only for the most part, it's just one guitar with just lots of fixed pedals. Yeah. Um, but it's it just gets more intense, and then by the end, there's just layers and layers and layers of chanting, singing, um, yeah. and Chris embracing his inner John Lydon. And uh, yeah, I think he stopped just short of yelling "Get pissed, destroy," but it was <laughs> it was in the back of his mind. Um, it just certainly ends with a yeah, yes, <laughs> which is uh, yeah, very Lydon. <laughs> Is it the end of uh, Holidays in the Sun, where yeah. he goes, please don't be waiting for me. <laughs> it has that vibe. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I was detecting a fair bit of John Lydon throughout the whole... Well, he's a fan. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. It was a moment, and uh, everyone was sort of yeah, on their game for that one, I think. It was... Um, 
brought out the best in everyone's thing and Jim did a great job with recording and it's all kind of uh, yeah but it's uh, yeah it was it was almost the whole that song sounds really huge but it is just right up to the last 30 seconds it's just one guitar one bass one set of drums and one yeah. you know two people singing and it's uh, yeah. it's just the last 30 seconds where it becomes yeah <laughs> Contrast that with um, is it disappeared, open brackets for Elaine, close brackets, and your luminescence, which is like really stripped back and tender and beautiful. And oh, yeah, it's um, disappeared was the first. The first um, that was the thing I brought to the first uh, rehearsal, rehearsal session, get together, yeah. cup of tea. Um, and because uh, he'd mentioned um, yeah, something a bit Velvet Underground-y maybe. I said, yeah. well, I've got this sitting around. <laughs> yeah, that's great, we'll have that. <laughs> um, but it, 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 yeah, I actually tried to, I sort of um, played that fairly recently in the sort of acoustic session thing. I started playing it and uh, my friend Joe started filming me playing it because he thought I was... Uh, going into a cover of Nothing Lasts Forever by Echo and the Bunny Men. <laughs> and that's the only reason he recorded it. He put it, on, he put it up on social media. And, um, it was nice to hear it back. Uh, it's kind of... Um, but uh, it's not that. <laughs> but I hadn't noticed that, how similar the chords are. They, they are different. They, are, they have that, that, that um, pace. Oh, yeah. Okay, I, I can see that, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, on the recording, it, it doesn't sound anything like it because, it's, again, it's... It's got this really deep fuzzy tremolo effect on it, it's all yeah. Um, so um and Chris is just singing on it, it's absolutely beautiful. It's kind of um and it sounds really lovely, but it, it, it is literally a song about doubt death, so it's um, um yeah. it's, it's about rejoining your loved ones after you die. So yeah. it's kind of that kind of running the ultimate running away, I guess. Yeah. We all disappear. Yeah. Um but um, the idea of uh, you know you've, you've left your loved one, but the uh, you, uh, it was originally conceived as a kind of spiritual sequel to um, the singing line song "Running Away from Home," right? Which um, I mentioned to Chris as being one of my favourites. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've got an idea for it. Yeah, yeah. Only we believe what each other says. 
supposed to trust What's been done to you What's been done to me Who we're supposed to tell Make each other laugh Make each other safe We can do magic together And I will be your friend Till the end of time They will disappear 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 um, that, was, that was one of the first ones we did and um, Deadheads and the Roses came out at the same time of a similar like that one's again it's about dying but it's more about everybody dies but there's always regrowth and there's always new new yeah coming through new people um regrow next year uh, yeah so um your luminescence is a is a just a, a straight straight out love song um you know who you are <laughs> um, but it's uh, I think it's one of those things where I think it has more universal application than I think Chris originally wrote it to be I mean it was a very specific song about a very specific thing and a very specific um, that's the thing though isn't it very very specific songs often do end up having a universal uh, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah. especially if you're good at it yeah um, and he wasn't bad not bad um but it strikes me as like anyone in any relationship can get caught up in their own head. Yeah. Um, and doing so has a compromising effect on those around you. And, yeah. And that that's what it's about. Um, to the point where it, yeah, you can get so caught up in your own vision of your relationship that you, your relationship breaks down. And uh, yeah, that doesn't mean you don't care, and it doesn't mean you're not sorry about it. Yeah. How did I miss your luminescence briefly between the rain and the sunlight? You must have been so confused. And disappointed What on this earth Did you have to do To show me Somehow I missed Your luminescence Glimpsed and then gone a taste and then nothing If you appear again I'm now out to see you But I don't deserve the hope There'll be a next time Oh, I hear 
so yeah, it's a very broad sweep of sort of emotions, sounds, um, and contrib contributors. There's there's a lot of people involved, aren't there? Well, um, when, <coughs> when the when your front man dies, you need to, you need a bit more help pushing it up the hill. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that was that's a continuing. Um, there's, it, it's, it's in one of the lyrics, the song um, uh, Winter's Long Sobbing was yeah. kind of a key thing um, that came off a conversation um, I had with Chris about his career as such um, in music and theatre and writing and it's all, you know, he said oh, you know, I, I feel like a, I'm a, a snowball that keeps falling to the bottom of the hill without gathering any snow yeah. And I'm the avalanche that never happened. I'm the, I'm the whatever, and he went on. This went on for some time. Yeah. Um, and uh, and a, a couple two weeks later, they had this that song, and it has the line: "Push up the mountain one last stupid time, and it, it, maybe it'll mean something." Um, Sisyphus strikes again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but again, it's that. Thing. Like, no matter how dark things are, you know, things will brighten up, seasons yeah. change, moods change, people change. Yeah. Um, I think it's my one regret with the album is that the last chorus of that song is supposed to have a counterpoint vocal that goes, um, winter's long sobbing, it's supposed to have another vocal over the top that goes, it's over, it's over, it's over. Yeah. I, we never got. There's no recording of how that counterpoint vocal was supposed to go, and I didn't know how it was supposed to go. Yeah. And my friend had just died, and I wasn't really feeling it. <laughs> no. no. Um, so that got left off, but that was supposed to be the happy ending. <laughs> yeah. Or more death, depending on how you see it. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we left it off because I didn't know how it was supposed to be. Yeah. But, you know, if you're listening to the album and you hear that song, Insert it in yourself to the tune <laughs> in your head. <laughs> speak next Friday which is 24th of February and um, to coincide with that um, there'll be a performance of the yeah, contents yeah. of the album together with extracts from uh, and one red mitten which also comes out on the 24th which also comes out on the 24th but unfortunately it's all sold out isn't it what? So, the, the gig the gig's all sold yeah, out yes. yeah, yeah. 
the records haven't sold out. You can still buy the records. Buy this, buy this now. And the CDs and, I don't know, the souvenir mouse mats. Yes. Or whatever else. I look forward to the souvenir mouse mats. Well, yeah. Yes. Well, thanks very much. Thank you very much, Stuart. And I'll catch up with you again, no doubt, sometime soon. Okay. Thanks. So there you have it, a podcast on the theme of pod. I hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about the life and music of Chris Broderick, you can always skip back several episodes to the Songs in the Key of Chris Broderick podcast, which came out shortly after his passing. As mentioned earlier on, this podcast is also available in video form on my Reviewage channel, details supplied in the show notes. On that channel, you'll find some video interviews I did with Chris, together with chats with several other Medway musical luminaries, including, of course, Stuart Turner. I'll be back sooner or later with some more songs in the key of something or other else. In the meantime, have a marvellous few days and nights till we meet again.